I am Lucas Mack, and I'm on a mission to see the hurting get healed and the healed go out and heal others in order for all of us to experience the true love and light we desire. This podcast is me sharing my journey with you so you don't feel alone in your journey. Welcome to the Golden Rule Revolution. Hi, everyone. I'm Lucas Mack, and welcome to another episode of the Golden Rule Revolution. It's such a pleasure having you join today. And I'm really excited because I have my brother, Zach Smith, on, Zach Ivan Smith, specifically, if you find him on Instagram, and I'll put his handle in the bottom of the show notes at the end of the show, you can find that. But Zach and I, I've had him on previously with another guest, Kyle Stallings, but Zach and I have a beautiful conversation about business, the future, sovereignty, healing, different methodologies of healing, the impact that we can have when we find our personal mission and, um, and just raising consciousness. So it's a beautiful episode. My brother, Zach, thank you for joining and everyone enjoy. My brother, Zach, welcome back to the podcast. It's so good to see you and connect with you. I was telling uh, Lauren, my wife earlier today, I said the very first time I talked to Zach on the phone, I just loved him. He's just an, you're just an incredible soul brother and such a, such a cool story. And I know you were on um, a while back with Kyle and we yeah. did both of all three of us. Um, but I'm glad you're on just yourself and, and getting able to share your story. Uh, same. Sam, I'm, I'm very excited to be here. And I, I echo what you said. Yeah, I think when you meet someone for the first time and, and you just see a lot of things the same way and, you, and you're operating in a, a similar frequency, you just know right away and, and you just yeah. see someone as a brother. And, and that's how I felt too. So I'm, I, I always look forward to every time I see you on my calendar when we get to have our check-ins <laughs> and connect. And I always feel lit up afterwards. So I'm, oh, I'm, I, I can't even imagine what we're going to talk about and create today. Dude, I love it. And yeah. shout out to uh, Michael who connected us and uh-huh. said, you got to talk to this guy, Michael Malacker. <laughs> love you, brother. Um, so you know, we talked the other day about um, breath work, different modalities of healing. And why don't you just, before we even get into that, share your story because I think your story, you, like what you've overcome, how you came to San Diego, like share, share your story, brother, because I think it's <laughs> yeah. so cool. You got it. So, yeah, I mean, you know, taking it back a little ways, I, I was uh, I was originally from a small town in northern Minnesota, and uh, you know, I grew up, you know, all intents and purposes for you know, pretty pretty normal place. It was a really small town, about three hundred people. So, you know, a really small town. But I uh, was a really happy kid, and I, I developed something called alopecia when I was seven years old, and and that had a pretty big effect on me. On that age, I was I was a really happy kid, but that was pretty devastating. Uh, so that causes you to lose all of your hair, um, you know, on your head and your body. And so, you know, at that age, the last thing you want to be is different because kids, kids just don't understand different, you know? And so, yeah, I went from being really happy to, to being bullied and picked on a lot. And, and so that, you know, was a pretty dark time for me as I was navigating that. But, um, you know, what I know that it taught me a lot was empathy you know, to really see people for who they are and not, not what's on the external. And so some incredibly valuable lessons that I learned during that time that have, have continued to show up for me now in my life. And I'm, and I'm incredibly grateful for the experience as hard as it was. Um, but I know that what I did also inherit at that time was this feeling around sixth grade. I remember distinctly this feeling of, I am not going to be like a human punching bag anymore. Like, I'm going to be bigger and faster and stronger and better to prove everyone wrong. And, mm. and so from that time, for me, at that time, it became about sports. So being the best at sports and, you know, became the all-time leading scorer at my high school in basketball and, and wow. in college. And so I had a lot of those successes. And then after that, it turned to business because that was what was next after I got a, a basketball injury in college. You know, for me, then it was about business, being, being the best and the most successful. Because again, it was about proving myself, right? And, and so I was chasing this, you know, this, um, you know, this destination of, you know, when I get here, then I'll get the respect and people will get it. And, Mm -hmm. and I got there, you know, I I rose very quickly within, 
within the corporate world and became an executive in my early thirties and, you know, made, you know, made a ton of money and, you know, really more than I needed. And, and you know, and, and what, what I realized is this, this ladder that I was climbing was really on the wrong wall all mm-hmm. along. And, and it hit me pretty hard in, in a time when I was really starting to fully be on my own journey. And I had done yoga and meditation, you know, throughout you know, my twenties and into my thirties, but I really started to get on my path. And I started to realize that, the direction that I was heading was not what I actually wanted. That was not where happiness lied. It didn't, it didn't lie in a number in a bank account. It didn't, it didn't lie in running a company or, you know, any of the external trappings uh, and and discovering that for me was huge. So um, I ended up, I ended up leaving that world after a couple of years of, you know, really being, you know, a little back and forth, one foot in one foot out. and, And I spent a year traveling around the world, really, I tried to find what, how I could use my gifts in a way that really contributed to the world because I knew that that's what I always wanted. I wanted to make a difference in the world and I wanted to make an impact in a way that, that I knew I could. And so I, you know, I visited 17 countries and I, I went and sat and learned about, about meditation and mindfulness from, from monks in Southeast Asia. And I spent some time trekking gorillas in Africa and, and spending time in East Africa and, and spending time uh, in, with the nomadic tribe and, uh, in, in Jordan, in, in Petra, and, and spending time sleeping in a cave in Petra and, and just doing some, um, so having some really incredible experiences and in, in finding myself and finding out within these cultures what, like, what really brought people happiness at all levels. And, and so through that discovery and as well as just doing a lot of inner work and doing some you know, programs like ALA and, um, and learning from other you know, people that have been on this path for a long time, I, I just discovered that for me it was about bringing this work of emotional intelligence and conscious leadership to what actually had me feel so disconnected in the first place. And that's the corporate environment. So um, being able to do that and now bring what, what I learned and through, you know, my own growth and my, my evolution uh, to be able to bring that to the corporate world and to show that there's a better way to do business. So what, what, um, with the business side, what is lacking that when you bring in this emotional intelligence concept and just the empathy, what, what is the opposite of what you're teaching? Yeah. So, so what I, what I notice in corporate environments a lot, it is this, it's, it's fear driven. It's fear driven mm-hmm. success. It's this feeling like we can't show the personal side of ourselves in work, right? It's my, my work life and my personal life. And quite honestly, people not knowing how to communicate with each other to, to come to resolution, to come to understanding so that we can actually be on the same page and work toward things. So that's one of the big gaps that I noticed, as well as people not feeling attached to the work they're doing. So, you know, I think there's, you know, there's a few really basic psychological needs that we all have, like believing that we have a sense of a future, believing that we have a purpose, believing that we're a part of something bigger than ourselves. And these are huge. Yeah. These are huge. It's like air, you know, we, we need it. It's like food. Right. Right. And, and if those aren't being met where we spend 90,000 hours of our life, there's going to be a massive disconnect for people. And so if they're not feeling that and getting that at their work and feeling disconnected there, when they show up at home, they're not showing up for their family. They're not you know, showing up and, and being excited to see their wife or playing with their kids. They're, you know, instead of so often like turning to, to ways to numb out, whether that be, you know, alcohol or, or drugs, or, you know, even if it's just TV, media you know, or, sports or, or yeah. yeah, yeah, sports, exactly. Whatever that might be. It's like an outlet to not feel the things that they're feeling. Yeah. But if you can help connect people at work to a mission and a purpose and help them feel like what they do matters and what they say matters and they actually enjoy and love what they do, it not only helps the individual, the company thrives. Mm. They thrive. And so it, it's, it's a new way of business, doing business in a way that also raises revenue and, and it makes and creates a culture in which people want to come and be a part of because everyone's looking for that. Everyone wants that. It's incredible. I, um, I love that so much when I was running my agency and we had staff and, and I was doing a lot of internal culture building with companies. I would tell these owners, you have the power to build or crush a heart right now by how you speak, what you say, what the mission is of this company and the way you treat your employees dictates how a child views business. Now we have an entire generation, I think, that was raised anti-business, anti-capitalism, anti 
free market because not that capitalism is a bad idea or free market is a bad idea or any of these modalities are bad. It's that they saw their parents so burnt out from work. They associated the rejection or lack of love from the parent to the child as the, they don't want to blame the parent. So they blame yes. the cause of the parent's disconnection. And so I would talk to these business leaders and they're like, you know, it's such a, back then 10 years ago to five years ago, it was still the boomers were still um, running the scene and they were raised by the greatest generation and the silent generation who didn't talk about things. So, you know, the boomers weren't emotionally that intelligent either, not yeah. to knock anyone, but that's just the case. And then it grew this, it bred this anti free market concept. But I think that's even leaving because, okay, well, you still need a job. You still need to do something and find what your passion is. So I just think it's beautiful. I also, um, in church and religion, especially in Christianity, they, they manipulate a verse so that people will tithe to them every, every three weeks. You can guarantee if you go to a church, they're going to give you a message on tithing, like, Oh, you know, God, but there is a verse that Jesus says, where your treasure is there will your heart be also. Now the church has taken it as give us money and show God where your heart is. But that's not what it says. It's where your treasure is. Where do we get our treasure is where we work. So our heart is in our work and the work that we do, if it doesn't have the greater context of impact in the lives of others mm -hmm. becomes meaningless because you can only oh, I'll pay you a hundred million dollars. And you're like, so what? I can't spend it. I can't That's give it away. Okay. What am I doing? So anyway, I just affirm like what you're doing and saying, and it's so beautiful because we're, you're not just impacting the person who works there, you're impacting a family. You're impacting the grocery store clerk who's checking yes. out that family. You're, you're impacting school teachers who have to deal with the children of the parents who now are becoming more engaged. So it's, it's beautiful, brother. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I appreciate that. And, and beautifully said, because it, that's, that's what it's about for me is it's the ripple, you know, and that was the yeah. place that I saw that I could make the Im biggest impact on the world that I know is possible. Yes. Because so much is derived and driven from that. And what you said is so true. I, I, I do believe in where, you know, we're biologically wired to want to contribute and have a mission and purpose. And we can deny that if we want, we can deny that little voice of now, just keep struggling through, just keep doing it. This is what I'm supposed to do. Yes. Dad said, mom said, just get a job, you know, make sure that you're secure. But that voice, if you continue to ignore it, will wear you down and wear you down and wear you down. Right. And you'll never live up to that potential that you probably know deep down that you are always actually thought that you had yes. and you have to go pursue that and it takes courage yes. but once you do that and you find it everything opens up and life just becomes easier and it flows a lot more it does take courage. courage it does no doubt about it because our system is not set up for it always you know our system is set up that you should just get a job and you should become a cog in the wheel so that things move together quickly but you know that's it, it, not I think also how we work together as a society, because then right. people aren't using their gifts. You know, right. people aren't using the things that they can do in a way that, that benefit humanity, that benefit them, themselves and their community. And when you can tap into that and understand what that is, it elevates everyone. So it, it, takes, it takes some time and following a certain process to be able to discover that. But to me, it's not, it's, it's not a, a get to, it's, it's something I think you have to do if you yeah. have the opportunity to do so, you know, if you're, if you're blessed to have that. And also what I've been, when I coach my clients, I talk about legacy and legacy has five in, in my, how I teach it is there's five components of legacy. Your primary relationship with your spouse or partner, that's, that's first, because if that isn't in priority, then everything else falls to the wayside. A lot of clients are been around like in Vistage or other executive coaching groups where a guy, his company might be $80 million, but one guy specifically whose company was $80 million, his wife left him and his, all this attention went on that and the divorce and the company went under. It's a yeah. huge company. Mm -hmm. And I learned early on, like, okay, got to have the priorities of, of um, 
So your partner, the second is children, your children or, or next generation. So what's the impact we can make on the next generation? Uh, number three is health, mind, body, and soul. Four is career and, and they should be in this order. And then five are friends. And what I tell people is that career is just a means to your mission. So if you're working a job that isn't your mission in life, your fulfillment, for the first step is identifying the mission. What are you here to do? What do you, what would you give your entire life for to see come to fruition? That's your heart's mission. Now that can be the focus. And if you have a menial job, well, then it no longer becomes a menial job because it's the means by which you can support your greater mission. Yes. If they don't happen to coincide and find the, Oh, I'm working the W2. That's my mission. Some people might, but if you don't, you're still okay. But I think you're saying is the mission is such a crucial part of it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and your mission can be to, to be the best father and to pass on the next generation to have better opportunities. Like that can be your mission and purpose, but, but it's important to get really clear on that. And yeah. you know, what you said, I, I think is so important, but talking about having the priorities, right. And showing up in that way. And that's a big part of the, the evolution project with the, the, the corporate coaching program that I do is that, it, it really works with people on the personal level. And when a company can do that and start to care about what's, you know, I want to help you in all areas of your life. And so I want to help you have the best relationships. I want to have you have the best life experiences. I want to support you with health and wellness. And that's all supported through your company. Then you're going to show up and you're going to feel connected to that company because you're, you're, you're really feeling and experiencing the life that you want. Mm. And that's being contributed through your company, right? And so yeah. it's this next level of support. And, and what I find is when people can clean up areas of their life that may not be working as well as they hoped. I, you know, as an example, I, I worked with someone very recently who, you know, was with, with his wife, things just weren't working. You know, they, they weren't communicating well. Um, they both were developing some bad habits and they were really disconnected. So we worked on that. We didn't talk about anything that was happening in his work life because that part was struggling too. Yeah. And he had had success in the past, but we worked just solely on what's going on here. We started there. We got them reconnected through using just languaging and be able to really meet each other and think about what they wanted their relationship to look like and making commitments to each other. And they started to, to come back together and really thrive mm. through that. He, he started to deliver hundreds of thousands of dollars of new business because he was lit up. He felt supported. He had his partner at home. Yeah. He, his, his kids were seeing it. They were lit up and excited. So the work took care of itself. And it was through taking care of that and being able to, to have this be all encompassing. And that's what I'm talking about, the separation between work and life. But there really isn't separation. And I, and I don't feel that's like right. there should be. That's right. I 100% agree. Um, the siloed way of living is a dissected you know, it's, it's a bifurcated soul mind. I mean, it's as unhealthy as it can be to have your persona, this and switching your persona alignment and integration is a whole person. And yeah, how can I serve in my capacity at work? How can I serve my capacity at home? How can I serve my capacity in the community? It's still me. And, and, Conversely, or I guess also, and, and what I'm also excited to talk about is the healing part, because if people don't heal, even though they think they're their work persona and their home persona, they're bringing that pain with them wherever they go. It seeps out in maybe different ways, but hurt people still will hurt people. Um, Definitely. Yeah, there's a, I'm trying to think, Gunther Quant, I think is his name. He owned, uh, he, was the, he was most prolific businessman during Germany and world in the rise of the Third Reich. Um, right. He owned the factories that became BMW. He was, the, he was um, an advisor to the Third Reich as far as um, their economic policies went. This guy was a massive player, third generation uh, business owner in Germany. And I used to give this keynote and I, I would end the keynote with this. So I talk about Gunther Quant, all the factories he owned, the millions and millions of dollars he produced. He always delivered on time. He never missed deadlines. His clients loved him. He always delivered. Um, but also he had Jewish slave labor in all these camps. And in one of his factories, they would execute at random a Jewish slave working on these factories 
to keep them working really fast. But on the surface, if you look at the details, very successful businessman. I'm sure his five-year strategic plan was off the charts brilliant and he had all the great advisors and they're, they're looking at all these particulars of their supply chain and their, their delivery and their cost per unit and all these things. They're really good at business. And conversely, at the exact same time, Gunther Quant is the most prolific businessman in Germany. There's another Nazi and um, who was a spy for the Nazis, a really brilliant guy, who also owned factories and also had the same access to Jewish slave labor and also had the same equipment, had the same client, had the same deadlines, had the same cost per unit. And 1,200 Jewish lives were saved by this man and not one Jewish slave laborer ever died. And that man's name was Oscar Schindler. Now, what's the difference between Gunther Quant and Oscar Schindler? They're both German Nazis. They're both uh, Third Reich uh, business owners. They both delivered on time to their client. They both, um, you know, tried to make a cost per margin and, or, you know, co cost per unit, tried to make a higher margin. On paper, these men were identical. The difference is, Gunther Quant saw people as a means to furthering his business. Oscar Schindler saw business as a means to bettering people's lives. And Oscar Schindler is the only Nazi buried in Israel amongst the graves of the righteous because he saved 1,200 Jewish lives. It's an incredible story and business I would drive, I used to leave these really heavy keynotes. I would end the keynote <laughs> like that. And people would be like, oh, what is just, what has happened? But I would say, you make that choice every single day, whether you're going to see people as a means to furthering your agenda or your whatever, or you're going to see your mission as a means to bettering people's lives. And that's what you're doing. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. And I, and I love that. I mean, it's, it's so simple, right? And you, and you have to wonder what, what was driving him to make those decisions, you know, and what was, you know, because that for me, is becomes, it comes from a place of motivation, you know, and that's something I love to dissect for people is what on the deepest level is your motivation? Because I think when it really comes down to it is your, your motivation can either come from fear or it can come from vision. Mm. And, and if it's coming from fear, which it sounds like it was for this individual, you know, that he yeah. believed that he had to sacrifice someone to drive fear into the hearts of these individuals to work harder. And that's yeah. how a lot of businesses are run yeah. is with the sharp stick. And if you don't do this, then you could lose your job or you won't get paid. And so people are living in the state that gets people always living in their sympathetic nervous system. And, and when you're in that space, you're, you're tunnel vision. So you're not going to be able to think creatively. You're not going to be able to see in solutions. You're not going to be able to innovate. But the people that are able to see beyond that and to help employees and people, you know, people that they really see how they're helping these people be a part of that vision and really understand it and get it and be in contribution to it, that will get you jumping out of bed every morning. Wow. It's just as it, I always find that it's more powerful. But what I find also when, when stripping away people's motivation, if it's been driven by fear, mm. People are, people's egos are very sneaky and not wanting them to do that because they know that that's what's <laughs> driving them. That's what's put the roof over their head. That's it's right. what's got them to where they've been. So to take that away feels scary mm -hmm. because if I don't have something to replace it with yet, if I don't have a vision or what I want to create and I'm not clear on that, I'm not going to strip away my, my motivation. Then, you know, then what? My identity is tied up in that. That's scary. I don't want yeah. to strip away my identity. Your yeah. ego will protect you at all means necessary. It will get super sneaky to protect you from that. That is for sure. Well, how do you, how do you help people identify that? You know, I, I really take a look at uh, helping people understand their deepest why. Like, what, are the, mm -hmm. what are the things that you care about the most? And, and it tends to tie into, you know, something that's impacted you personally. You know, for me, like I said, I, I experienced the corporate world and, and saw all of the ways that it really had people feel disconnected. And, and you know, I, you know, there were times where I would even, you know, a couple of examples in, in a company that I was working for, you know, where the, the CEO was up giving a, a speech and uh, would, would say, uh, I remember this verbatim, but said, 
yeah, we've, we've got, you know, we've got our neck on or our, our foot on the neck of our, of our, of our company and, and they're drowning, you know? And so what, what do you do when your competition's drowning? You know, you, you put a hose in their mouth mm. and everyone's like, yeah, you know, and all excited. And I'm just like, no, <laughs> this is not me. Right. Like, this, this is not me. And I actually had a, um, someone that I was reporting to that came in, um, you know, a new senior VP and um, was told, you know, although everything that I had done had produced incredible success and, and had, had raised people up and, and helped them evolve to future leaders of the company, he wanted me, he told me that he wanted, he needs me to be more pissed off at my people. Mm. You know, so it's things like that that really had me realize the misalignments. And yeah. so when I look at it that way, that for me said, no, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm realizing what's not working. And, and so those are, those were for me to the indicators. So I think that's what you have to pay attention to. Mm. And, and then as I started to look back at what was driving me, I started to look at my deeper why. I started to look at the things that mattered for me. And for me, it was, I know the business can be run better because I've seen it and I've done it. Yeah. And so I'm going to go out and I'm going to make that happen because I know the impact that that can make. Mm. Um, so that to me is how you discover that is what are the things that matter to you most? What are you, um, so I'll look at what are, what are you most passionate about? Right. And we're really like pull from that, you know, so we'll take experiences and, um, you know, we'll, we'll understand. And, and just because you're, you know, passionate about tennis, that doesn't mean that you should be a, a you know, professional tennis player, but, yeah, right. but right, we can right. pull from that. Like, what is it that you love about that? Um, great. You love to, you know, you love to hone your craft and you love, you know, training. Like you love to go to the court and work on things. Okay, great. How can we integrate that into a career? Mm-hmm. And then I'll also look at people's strengths. So what are the things I like to break it down into two things? Like, number one, what are your strengths? And then what are the strengths that you want to use? Because that's an important distinction. Yeah, that's good. That's really good. Yeah, because yeah, that's important, right? You might be strong at something that you actually don't enjoy doing. Right. And, then, and then lastly, looking at your values. So what are your values? What are the things that you care about? And that ties back into the why. And then as you start to extract and pull from all of these things, then you look for the intersections. And then you pull together and you start to say, okay, what does this look like in a career? And, and how can I line up with a company that aligns with these values that lets me tap into my passions, utilize my strengths, and, and will have me you know, doing what I want to do. Or if I, if I don't find that in a company, I'm going to start my own. Yeah. I'm going to go make it happen. So that for me is where I start with people is starting to really explore that and dive into that. And I, I can usually figure it out pretty quickly with people. Yeah, that's so cool. That is beautiful. Do you, um, how much of like healing work do you talk about or do you invite people to explore outside of the corporate world? Uh, you know, a lot. <laughs> and, and, you know, the thing with, with this type of work, and, you know, I know that you know this too, is you, you do have to meet people where they're at. Yep. And, and sometimes in the corporate environment, people won't always be super comfortable to go there right away. And I, and I get that, you know, it's new. And so it'll feel uncomfortable. It, it might feel unsafe. So I'll, I'll really ease in, um, you know, to, to meet people on, you know, certain things. So we'll work on some, you know, we'll work on mindset tools and we'll work on productivity tools. And, and that helps us. Those, those are a big component of what I do for people. But as we start to peel back the onion of what's really getting in the way of you focusing and being productive, and then people start to feel comfortable, people will really open up and then we can get down to the root because at the end of the day, when you look at a, you know, a behavior, a behavior is always being driven by an underlying belief system. Yes. Right? And, and so like we'll get to the belief system and then below that is usually something to do with identity. Yep. And so, you know, when you start to peel that back and, and if you're only working at the behavior level, the subconscious will always turn back and bring you back and, and really self-sabotage you back into that behavior that lines up with how you feel about yourself. That's right. I, I look at it as um, trying to prune a tree. It's like, oh, I don't like this fruit that it's bearing. Like, uh, I don't like the orange <laughs> that my tree's bearing. So I prune back all the bushes or all the branches. But when you prune a tree, it only grows back more robustly. The fruit comes back even more until yeah. you address the root the fruit will continue. Oh, that's great. I love that. They produce. So yeah, it's the identity. It's what was said to you. What did you believe? Were you abused? Did you, you know, were, were you bullied? Were you, you know, whatever. Those are what drive our adult behaviors now. And yeah. Absolutely. And, and when you can start to, when you can start to understand the limiting belief systems and I, I was just, yeah, I was just having a, a conversation with this earlier with, uh, with, with Brianna having on one of, you know, a mentor of mine, but we were talking deep into limiting belief systems and, um, you know, and, and just touching on this subject of, like, it's not about getting rid of these limiting beliefs, right? It's not about, 
about destroying them and dissolving them away, but it's, you know, what pieces of ourselves are, have not been able to be expressed, you know, and have not been able to be welcome. And so we're just like bringing awareness to it. And, and we're, bringing, we're bringing awareness to the conversation. We're bringing awareness to the feeling so that it can feel welcome because it hasn't had a space to be that. Right. And then we understand what actually happened. So, you know, f- for me, for example, a lot of those limiting beliefs came from when I was young and bullied. And I go back and then when I'm able to trace back and understand that my subconscious created these stories at seven when I was getting hit in the face because I looked differently. And so I started to believe certain things about myself. But then I got to look and I got to talk to that individual that did that and realize, you know, he had a, he had a tough time at home. Like yeah. He had a lot going on at home. He didn't know what he was doing. Yeah. I made up that story. He didn't, you know, that wasn't anything else than me making that up. Yeah. Wow. I get to let that go. Yeah. And all of the things that have been tied to that then start to unravel, you know? And, and so that for me is the, the most powerful work. And, and sometimes that will take, uh, you know, a little bit of time to, for someone to feel comfortable to go there. But once you do, that's, freedom is what lies on the other side yes. of that which is right. i mean that's that's, that's what it's about. That's everything yeah that's what it's about freedom yeah. i would i would give everything for us to walk in healthy freedom just freedom i people right now in 2020 there are many who have forgotten free what even the the inalienable right that a sovereign human has to be free Mm -hmm. because we've been driven by a fear narrative of a virus Mm -hmm. that you can't stop from getting and all this science and all the masks and all the, the constant barrage of jackhammering cases, 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 cases. Everyone's afraid. Everyone's in this thing. I'm like, dude, what happened to the humans that crossed the West in con, you know, wagons and pioneered over the Rocky Mountains and, and dug? I mean, what happened to the grit of humanity? We have forgotten that sovereignty and freedom are our truest rights, not safety, not hedging and fear, but living robustly in freedom. And when we are in healthy freedom, that's why I qualified that because there's, and there's nihilistic freedom and then there's healthy freedom of community and no legislative body dictates our behaviors, but we in conscious love for one another do what is best for one another. Um, I'm just blown away. I'm looking at like two worlds right now. You got me on this tangent or I'm on a tangent right now, but oh, you're good, brother. You're good. Freedom. Yes. Freedom. Freedom. I'm going to say it and we'll say it again. It's freedom. It's not safety. It's not trying not to die. It's fucking living with every fiber of your being with your cells in alignment with your soul, like free dumb kingdom or freedom we choose do we want a a ruler of the kingdom or do we want our sovereignty in freedom that is what humanity must awaken to and having courage that's why courage is i'm so glad you said it earlier courage Mm -hmm. courage you can't be free without courage no none of us can and, and the irony, the irony of it all is fear is such a thin veil. It's like a sheath. It's so thin, but it's opaque. So you can't see through it. So it gives the presentation that it's thick forever. No, it's literally the thinnest of veils. You just have to have the courage to puncture and push through that. Mm-hmm. I'm getting fired up right now. I know, man. I love it. I love it. I love that passion. No, it's so true. My, you know, I, I remember from a very young age being told about this. My, my uncle was actually, I told you I'm from a small town. My uncle was my, my social studies teacher. And I remember him telling me this. I remember him saying, you can have, you can have freedom or you can have safety. Mm. And when you start to take away from one, it's going to pull from the other. Yeah. So always realize that there is an equilibrium that this balance goes on. So if you want freedom, 
yeah, you might not have all of this protection around mm-hmm. you from the government, but can you be okay with that? And, and can you, or also, are you, are you really falling into this, you know, this perceived freedom that you have? And, and what I'm, what I'm witnessing, and, and I feel like you're speaking into is this feeling of, you know, the few manipulating the many in a lot of ways. And, and that to me is not okay. You know, and, and it feels what I continue to experience is this like little nudge to see how far you can go. And then if it gets too far, then it's okay. We'll pull it back a little bit. Mm. And then when people get used to where we're at yeah. and get, start to get comfortable with something that we would never usually feel comfortable That's right. with, That's right. we'll go a little farther and we'll see how far we can go. And That's it right. keeps going and going. And, and through that, it starts to not feel so, so strange anymore. And the best way to do that is to keep people in fear. That's exactly make them feel like they don't have safety because then they're, they're willing to sacrifice freedom because safety is such a basic, it's such a base need and feeling for so many people is to just feel safe and they'll give up almost anything for that. But it's, it's not okay to take away freedom to do that. The irony is too. I'm so glad we're talking about this because this is, this is important. Giving up freedom for safety, you give up to someone who could or could not, make you safe meaning yes. if you're giving up your freedom to feel safe you can only feel safe by a system that has more power over you and others to distance or keep from you know an imposed threat and yet that's why i say to people they don't like it but i i was a journalist for a long time i was a tv reporter reported on CNN a couple times. I was in small markets, the local market, San Antonio, back to Seattle. And I have a lot of friends still in media. And talk about the parasympathetic, what is it? Par- the oh, parasympathetic nervous system? Yeah, parasy- Man, they are so beat down in media and they're, they, it is by the stick and rod and then they pay you high enough and the, everyone's so traumatized in media. And... Um, where I'm going with that is people who believe and just blindly trust media or government officials. Mm-hmm. I look at them, all the, these, these faces are talking heads. If you haven't seen their browsing history, how in the world would you abdicate your own sovereignty of your home and your life and put your trust in someone you have? You don't even know what they browse. You don't know what societies they belong to all these things. It's, crazy i look around what is what world but all these things have to come to be people have to see i think what's going to happen is it's going to encroach 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 until people either wake up or sadly they they don't wake up and to be very specific and literal If humanity right now, and I believe we are choosing freedom and sovereignty, I believe that we are ascending, but there are, there are the, the vocal minority who make the silent majority, and I don't mean politically, this is not politics, just humanity, right? It's like they'll, they, because they're so afraid, people that are afraid make others feel bad right the bully that bullied you he was afraid because he's getting so he's gonna impose his fear and create so we're entering this phase very soon where everyone's gonna make a choice whether their their soul came into these human bodies to finally awaken from the illusion of safety from a from these entities that are not based in benevolence and and goodness they're based in control and master slave be it corporations that run by fear be it governments be it whatever religious institutions they're all the same it's a pontiff and the pews and if the pews don't align to the pontiff and i don't mean roman catholicism i mean the the thus saith i am the voice of god to the people be it the ceo be it the pastor priest you know whatever be it the news anchor be it the politician and i think the awakening right now is people saying i'm my own ceo i'm my own pastor priest i'm my own sovereign ruler i don't need another to tell me what is and what is not 
but a lot of people are not there yet. No, no. And, and that's, and that's okay. Like, and that's the part okay. that I, yes. and that's the part that I have to remind myself too, because I, I want to see it happen faster. Yeah. But yeah, I think it does start with, yeah, having the sovereign mind, you know, being willing to say, I'm going to believe what feels, what feels true for me. Yeah. And, and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to take in opinions from others, but as an observer, you know, and not, you know, I think when we, you know, when we take in news and different things, it's like just believing this is reality and this is what's happening. Right. And instead, like, how can we zoom back and just say, okay, I'm observing this. Yes. Saying, okay. Does this resonate with me? Yes or no. But at the end of the day, I, I mean, what you're saying is so true that we're, we're on, we're on this fork of the road in the road right now yes. where we, yes. we can head in two different directions. And I fully, you know, I, I follow a belief in my life that, you know, that, that everything, it does happen for me. Yeah. I truly believe that. And I, and I follow that. And so I believe that this has happened for us also. It's yes. yes. scary and messed up as it's felt in so many ways. The other path that we were going on wasn't working. Mm. Yeah, in so many ways. It was just a little bit of a slower path there. Mm. Now things have accelerated, but it's also white spaces been created. The cage has been shook to the extent where people have had to look at their lives and say, I didn't, I didn't love what I was doing in my career before anyway. Right. Or, wow, I had all of this fear and anxiety. I actually need to confront it right now. And I need to, I need to get healthy because if I'm you know, overweight or I'm not taking care of myself or I don't have a strong immune system, I am more likely to get sick and die. Like we, people, all of these things that were underneath and pushed under the rug, the rug was pulled away. And yeah, yeah. But, but the truth is, is that, you know, the heal for the wound is in the wound itself. And so the wound had to be exposed for us to confront this and heal it. So that's what I see as the possibility is for this elevation of consciousness because the cage has been shook and there's been disruption and stimulus for us to look at these things. And, and that for me is where we get to step in and offer perspectives offer alternatives to, to what we're being told in other areas so that we can discover truths for ourselves. That's beautiful. That's in, that's exciting. That's I think exciting. so too. I'm, I'm super ex excited. I'm excited too. I'm, I, I am excited for people. I look at the majority of human beings in some way or another have been abused. Yeah. They don't, even those who don't think they've been abused, it's because we have taken words like, I was thinking about this the other day. I don't want to say pedophilia anymore or, or molestings or rapings. These words, um, or not rapings, I want to say it's child rape. That's the right word. It's vile. It's, the, it's heinous. It's evil. What any form. But the people that do these things give us new terms pedophilia, these things that like normalize or, or soften or smooth out areas that never should have been smoothed out. And it, instead of looking at the unvarnished truth, like this is what it is. And where I'm going with all this is that we've been, um, we've been numbed. Our senses have been numbed. The words that we've used have been numb. They're not visceral. They're not electric anymore. We're, we're all saying the same group think, group speak. Even in the consciousness world, even in the spiritual development world, I'm like, bros, what, what, what world are you in right now? Like, what are we, ta what are we talking about? I love what you're saying is it's mission. It's healthy corporatism. It's healthy, healthy, any, you know, mode. It's not about how to make more money or how to hustle faster or how to do these things. Like that's, we've been, that narrative has been playing on a rotation <laughs> yeah. for a very long time mm -hmm. leading yeah. us to this very instant. Yeah. It like helps us go more intensely toward the things that we don't actually want. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know, exactly. and, but at the end of the day, you know, when you think about if change is going to happen, you know, it can't, you know, and this is why I, I love our conversations because it's not just talking about the things that aren't working. It's talking about, okay, what, what can we replace that with? Yes. You know, what, what can we, and that's why for me, it's, you know, going into the corporate world, I've got an alternative solution. I've got a way that not only can help people feel better at work, but also, 
you know, it can, it can drive your business in a way that it never was going to before. So I think for people to feel good about things, they have to have an alternative, you know? Mm -hmm. And so that's why you look at a lot of the, you know, the, the hippie movement of the sixties, you know, it, it didn't really have a full stronghold because there wasn't an alternative. There was an alternative in place mm. you know, for the things that they were talking about and, and for the, you know, the things that wanted to be created. And so, you know, I think you have to really come with solutions and we can't just be stuck on problems. And that is also what I see a lot in the conscious world is fighting and talk about all the things that aren't working. Yeah, I agree. And I, and we have to bring awareness to that, but also what, what are we doing to bring solutions? That's and right. I'm not talking about just trying to make more money through creating a program that all of these people can buy. So you can talk about being a seven figure coach, right? That's not what it's about. Like right. follow your mission. And yes. if your mission is true, the rest of it will take care of itself. That's right. That's right. You love and success will follow. And, and that's, that's the reward for following your mission. And at the end of the day, I don't feel attachment to those things anyway. And mm -hmm. because of that, I find that they come to me more freely. Yes. Yes. That's right. It's funny. You said, um, you know, what's not a solution being anti the, uh, being anti something that's not a solution. Like, what <laughs> yeah. a solution? Well, just getting rid of that or getting rid that's not a solution. That's, yeah. that's creating another problem. A solution mm -hmm. is what is the alternative? I, I think that's brilliant. What you just said. It's brilliant. What's the alternative? Uh, there's a consequence to every action. Yes. So it's not, yeah, it's not just a fight against things, but what, what can we do to replace it with something that will work better? Yeah. Yeah. What are you for? This, um, I'm so thankful to be alive right now. Me too. I just, I don't know. I feel like saying, I just, I'm so thankful you're alive right now. Yeah. I just think you're such an incredible human, man. You're just such a beautiful soul. I just, Think you're awesome, man. I, <laughs> Thanks, man. I feel that about you too. And how good does it feel to just like say those things and be joyful? I, yeah. that's, that's what I'm hearing from so many people too. Is like the people that feel good or have had something good in their life, like don't want to celebrate it because some people, other people might not be doing as well. Yeah. You know? And so that's like, so we only feel like so many people feel like they can only be sad, but I, I'm, I, I'm not playing that game. No, no. I, I want to, again, let's provide an alternative solution. If you're feeling happy, be happy. If you're feeling sad, it's okay to be sad. Yeah. Like, let yourself be what you are and celebrate the people around you. Yeah. And that's key. And, and something that you said though, that that's triggered something in me that I've really focused on this year is really building close community and tribe. Mm. Like really how important that is. And, and I know that this will be controversial because uh, you know, people feel like you should only be at home and you should only be with your family. But I think it's incredibly important that you have people that you spend time with and that you grow with and that support you because mental health is just as important as staying away from a flu that, you know, that's a, you know, from a virus that it is, it is real, but at the same time we have to move forward and we have to find new ways of living. So if you're Brother, not doing that right now, we've got to do it. With, it's not controversial with me. I'll tell you. Yeah, that's good. Probably then not the people that are listening to this. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, man, yeah, it is. It's so important. Human, you know, in our, our, our energetic field is actually six foot radius from our body. Mm -hmm. And so what they know, it's not seven feet. It's not eight feet. It's not four feet. They kept it at six feet so that we couldn't even energetically feel each other. This is so nefarious what's happening. And I'm going to say it right now. It is nefarious it is not true and if people did not watch the news if there was no news if there's no media if literally an emp got detonated tonight and or today or whatever time someone's listening and the electricity went out you would be left looking around and everything would be as it was and as it will be you look around you're like oh there's my neighbors no one's, no one's just, yeah, people died, but all of a sudden 95% of the flu cases are down in 2020. How's that possible? Wait, they're just changing numbers. And yes, there's virus, but then why do we even have viruses every year? Where does it come from? How do, who, I mean, let's ask the real questions. We are, how did the Sumerian text, the, the ancient Sumer kings were living like 30,000 years, 40,000 years. Even in the Bible, they were living like a thousand years in these ancient 
so the Bible's not the only recorded source of people living a very long time. All of a sudden we're living these short lives, hedging and like this, we are waking up. I think what I'm most excited about brother is as we move into the age of Aquarius and the golden age and the millennial reign of Christ or the age of the Mashiach, or, I mean, all these different narratives for culminating at this exact time. What did they say? People wouldn't die. They live a thousand years, you know? Well, how can that possibly be? I think we're going to find out very soon that all these viruses, all these sicknesses, all these, why do, why do we have a pharmaceutical industry when humanity has been living on this planet for a long, long, long time with benefits from the earth and whether it be psychedelics or any municipal, we are part of the earth. Therefore, our genetic code connects with this planet. We are part of this one ecosystem. And then we have forgotten that, listen to this Borg-like anti-human group think everyone say the same thing be the same thing do the same thing but yet their depression's higher suicide rates higher divorces all these so the stats actually are this path is not working it's not more healthy I, we we don't watch tv anymore but we um what did i turn on the other night we were watching some clip in a YouTube on YouTube on our Apple TV. And uh, we don't watch cable or anything like that. This is what I mean. Mm-hmm. And uh, an ad came up for a pharmaceutical, whatever. I hadn't seen one in, cause they're not on, you know, Netflix. They're not on yeah. Amazon prime. They're not on Apple or, you know, Disney plus. And it was like, you gotta be kidding that you, you've literally, someone's probably laughing who wrote this script. Like, do you struggle with, are you, are you, you know, let, this will help you. This will help you do this, but all side effects will be da And now you can live the life. And I was like, wow, they didn't even skip a beat on side effects. We're like crazy. You will die. Everything will turn bad. And then the next line was like, without missing a beat and live the life you want with mm-hmm. whatever it was like this is the greatest form of gaslighting and this is crazy but yet we have conditioned to just be like oh that's that's become normalized yeah that's normal mm-hmm. it's so crazy man the world is, <laughs> the world's crazy i wrote an instagram uh a while back and i said freedom is a greater virtue than safety for without freedom no one is safe. Mm. Amen. Man, I want to go charge the field of battle with you, brother. <laughs> Let's go. Let's liberate humanity. All right. I, I think it's so beautiful too, as a man, to show what healthy masculine is. And it's not yes. bravado, facade. It's like, bro, we're just living. Mm-hmm. Living. And we're loving people and listening to people. and Yeah. You're a beautiful example of that. Thank you, brother. Thank you. It's, um, yeah, it's the rise of, you know, and what, what I experienced from you and I think in this conversation is the rise of the rise of the healthy masculine. Yes. It's the rise of the healthy masculine. And that's, that's what we, you know, that's what the world needs more of. Yes. You know, it's not about passivity. You know, we don't want that, right. uh, but it's about using the masculine traits of being decisiveness, using passion and power yes. toward good toward the mission for what you care about. Yes. Yeah, not to prove anything, not to, to validate yourself in any way, but because you care about it. Because yeah, to liberate others. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, and when I got to let go of that, of this, you know, and sure, it still pops up for me here and there because it was deep rooted for me. But this feeling of needed to prove myself or needed to be validating by other things that provided me the freedom to only chase the things that I want to and, and to do them because of my deeper why. And, and that just creates all of the alignment in my life. And you know, we talked about this a little bit earlier to circle back to this piece of showing up one way at work and one way at home. If you're doing that, you're, you're never going to be authentic anywhere. So you're always going to feel, I don't know who I am because you feel like you have to be someone you're not. So if you're doing that in any of your life, I would, you know, I encourage you to take a look at why, you know, why am I doing that? If it's for a company, I feel like they want me to show up this way, then that's not somewhere you want to be. 
And, you know, I feel that in relationships too. You know, if, you, if you're showing up and you feel like, oh, I feel like I have to be this way with this person so they accept me. Okay, that's okay. Like you can love that person from afar, but don't let them be in your circle because energetically you're not going to feel good about being and releasing more of you and more of you and more of you. And that's the goal. Like just being fully embodied self and feeling really good about that and really damn proud of who you are because that's the point that I've gotten to get to and the freedom in that and the joy in that is just unparalleled. Hmm. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah. Um. And also when we transgress against our own sovereignty, even the word sovereign is, it's such a, that word is yet to seep into so many people's consciousness. So I say it so many times. So it starts to, what does being a sovereign being mean? A sovereign being is fully authentic because a sovereign being has no one or nothing to prove at any time to anyone because proving is an indication of a lack of being. If I have to prove to you, I'm not being. My beingness is all the proof that anyone will ever need of me. This is me. It's me when I get off this podcast. It's me when I wake up. This is just me. It's me when I go work with clients or do these things. This is me. Yeah. And I don't have to prove to anyone. And, it, and I know, like you said, you attract the higher frequency, the higher vibration, the, the universe is going to match what we, it's not even woo woo. It's <laughs> you dial a radio and you get a TV, you get the station, you know, the old school, like I remember as a kid, you know, you roll that knob. Oh, yeah. You know, you keep going. That's my best impersonation. Of it. But, <laughs> but, um, that's what we're doing. We're dialing constantly. We're like, are we going to be in gratitude and be authentic and, and do the inner work? We're dialing all of a sudden. To... <sighs> oh, yeah. You know, and when we're in that space, the things that are in that space will meet us where we are. Mm-hmm. And um, I want to, before, before we hop off, I think just talking about different specific modalities that you have done that I've done. I would love to hear like, you know, we talked about breath work, talked about plant medicines. Like what, what have you done in addition to, well, just, yeah. What have you done? What different modalities have you done to work on healing? Yeah, a a lot. (laughs) You know, I've, I've explored a lot because I I think this is also important too. And, you know, I, I, I think being able to discover and find the things that really work for us. Yeah. is really important. So I've explored a lot because I'm, I'm not going to recommend anything to anyone else that, that I don't know works for me and that I've embodied. So yeah, I mean, to start one that you mentioned, breath work is a really big part of my life. Mm-hmm. And it's something that I practice really consistently. I find that that helps clear emotional blocks for me. It helps bring me energy, helps me feel connected to my body mm-hmm. um, because it creates, you know, doing breath work in, in a certain process into uh, it, it, it creates a, an energetic environment in your body that's not stable for emotional blockages. So it, it clears things from your body. It's, it's incredible. And, 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 you, and I like to, that's actually a modality that I like to introduce to people in corporations because it's approachable for people because it's not, you know, it's, you're not ingesting anything. It's just your body, but you're, uh, sometimes you start to feel emotions without like knowing that you're going to go into the emotion right yeah, which yeah. You know, so it's like you don't have that avoidance and all of a sudden you start to feel it and you're like wow okay mm-hmm. and so it can open people up to you know to to deeper work so i really love breath work and and, and highly recommend that I've, I've sat with plant medicines um you know i've sat with uh with, with psilocybin and i've sat with ayahuasca and you know i've sat with a, a number of different plant medicines and and, and psychedelics and, and i've taken some profound um lessons and some profound um you know deep healing from those processes and and with that too and i and i you know have to preface that with saying i think it's so important when we do that to do it in an environment that yeah, has integration yeah that's key it's like there's a lot of use of those things right now 
but more for escapism. And that can also be dangerous, you know? So I think, you know, those things for me have been great, but I've always been really intentional about them and I've always had integration and support and guidance. And, um, but through that, I, I have had some really profound breakthroughs and realizations that, um, you know, help me see through a different lens and help me see through a different paradigm, which is, which was profound. So that for me also, you know, things like just, really taking a look and dissecting my habits. So having a really disciplined morning routine, I think that is massive. Uh, having a morning ritual that I follow every day so that I, I have control of my mind. My mind doesn't have control of me. Mm-hmm. So I, I start every day with, with meditation and with movement and with yoga to get in touch with my body and, you know, and taking care of my health. So hydration and adaptogens and different things that I've found that help me really lock into just the truest version of me. That's yeah. it. I, I don't like, I don't like, looking for things anymore that like, I don't want an edge. I don't want that. I, I just want to be my best self and I feel at my optimal. So that's another, you know, those are things that I all, ex- I explore. Um, yoga has been a big part of my life also the, you know, not just the physical practice of yoga that I think wow. we, you know, as, as a Western society associate with, but you know, the deeper practices of yoga. And I've continued to, to really peel back the layers of that and, and integrate that into my life. Uh, man, there's, there's just so many. And then ALA, as far as like the emotional, t- yes. the, uh, the experiential, that's why ALA was so mm. profound for me. was the experiential nature yes. of it and going back emotionally to those most traumatic moments. And um, all that stuff is, it's so beautiful. And like you said, it's different. Um, it's going to be different for everyone. It's going to be, but find there's a lot of people I've, I'm even seeing people I really like their content but they've been um you know anti cannabis I've been seeing these people like they'll go on a kick like anti uh, psychedelics or anti cannabis or anti something mm-hmm. and from my experience for anyone I would say that is not the narrative it's you because that's another voice telling you what is best for you you as a sovereign being must find what works and none of these things are silver bullets it's all what works for you and what you're called to and blessed you know what you bless i one of the things with even cannabis is i bless it and i set my intention i don't just take it like oh you know it's it's i bless this and what is my intention here my intention is to um you know, a couple nights ago, it was to connect all the dots from a higher plane. And so I had an incredible, just not, a, you know, not a, I just saw things. I got it. Like it was just, okay. The medicine was doing what I asked it to do and I blessed it. Um, and I think what humanity is getting back to is the basics of humanity. These plant medicines, the emotion, the emotional healings, the, the breath work, the, the stretching with understanding what our body is doing in these positions and why we do these things and what is the fascia inside our body and what is our pineal gland and why are, you know, we're waking up from the fog of the matrix. And there, I guess is one of the things we can maybe end on or want to get your thoughts on. There's a lot of people right now using their effort to change within the matrix, to change things within the matrix. And the matrix is going away. The matrix is being dissolved and crumbling. Um, And I think when the matrix goes, the 3D world of polarity and duality and judgments and this and that, we're literally in a place of love and light with each other and we're like what is this like you know we'll look at each other and just know each other connect with each other be with each other the people who have have these beautiful abilities that have tried to work within the 3d matrix world are going to thrive and flourish just think about how much effort is used to make a system work that strips away our sovereignty when people use that same energy and effort and intention to all of a sudden we all can make the world the world we want it it's gonna be so incredible brother Ah, i feel that man so incredible yeah that's why i love working with leaders because they've got traits 
that can empower and lead others, right? People follow them for a reason. And so that's a part of my mission is for people to get you know, clear on their why of, of using those leadership skills for good, you know, for the reasons that really matter. Because yeah, once we activate our leaders and for them to really understand, yes. you know, then we start heading in a direction much quicker where we want to head. So that's, uh, that's it, man. Beautifully said. And, um, you know, and I, and I see you as a, as a continuous pillar for that, you know, and, and that's something that I, I really admire about you is your consistency with what you believe in and what you stand for. And, and the things that you said are so true. The way that you show up here is the way that we show up on a call and sometimes you show up, you'll be like, oh man, I can't believe this. I'm like, I'm pissed. I'm like, awesome. Let's work through it. And you do, but you just always come as you are. And I, and I think the more that we can do that, you know, the better we'll off be because then we can support each other. And that, yeah. that to me is, is a beautiful thing. And that's about tribe and community because at the end of the day, what you were just talking about, we're all one community. We're yes. all one tribe. Like, yes. There's no separation between us. And I think when we can start to realize that that's not just a saying, but that is reality yes. energetically, that there's no difference between us and the plants and each other that really is going to free things up. So I, I think as you're talking about dissolving the matrix, I think first understanding what our reality is in the world that we live in, mm-hmm. we can realize that it, uh, it takes some of the pressure off. Yeah. It kind of like not makes things feel so heavy for people. And so um, that's what I believe in. And that's what I stand for is the evolution, evolution of consciousness. Because if we have that, I believe that all of the rest of the problems that we face take care of themselves. Yes. Because there's more awareness around them. Amen. That's right. Brother Zach, thank you for coming on. That was, uh, was fun. I love, I love talking to you. I'll put your handle in the show notes. So everyone, please check out Zach and brothers and sisters. Enjoy this time. Enjoy this time. There, there, you are about to see so many things that you would have thought impossible in the future that it will take place for the good for good, love and light, love and light. That's all. That's what's happening. All these acts that are taking place to to push humanity to the point of waking up and snapping out of this sleep and fog and saying, "What? what has happened? When did I lose my sovereignty? When did I become a slave to these systems? They're all pushing until you awaken. And you will awake. I know that many of you are are awake right now, but there is a mass awakening. It is the great awakening taking place all over the planet. And all of humanity will celebrate and rejoice at once because humanity is beautiful. Never forget that. Humanity is beautiful. Yes, many have forgotten, but this is the time of remembering. I'm Lucas Mack. Thank you so much for joining. And I look forward to speaking with you on the next episode. Thank you, brothers and sisters, for listening. For support in your journey, go to my website, lucasmack.com.